My son never came home. Look, I'm sure that he's going to turn up. First name? Jamal, J-A-M-A-L. Does he have any distinguishing scars, tattoos, gold teeth? Uh, does he go by any street names? He doesn't have a street name. There was an incident. What does that mean? Further information needs to go through Lieutenant Stokes. I don't know him personally. They told me that he's been paged to come down here immediately. I want to know now. Man, I'm glad you're here. She went from like zero to ghetto and nothing flat. It's okay. Everything's going to be fine. Where's our son? Oh, so super awkward! Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, what you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt, and he is my pal Brian Brushwood. Gosh darn right. But more importantly, that was a, that was a trailer for American Sun coming out on Netflix. It looks to me, uh, am I right in understanding this, Bryce? Uh, from what I saw in the trailer, I guess this was originally like, a, I don't know, a play, like a, a single. Do, do they have a word for plays that are all just in one room? Uh, like a one act? No, no, it's not a one, one act, act play. But you, one you know what I'm talking play. about? Like, like, like your Twelve Angry Men kind yeah, of thing yeah. or whatever. Yeah, there and is, this is that. Is a this was a, that. a Broadway show. The entire cast, including Kerry Washington, was on the on the Broadway show. The actual Broadway actors. Now, yeah. I, I wonder how another much in this adaptation. changes. Uh, when you when you when you're doing it because you know subtlety mm -hmm. reads different on camera than, than yeah. in a live space or whatever yeah and you have you have you all the dimensions right you don't you don't have to sit stand on certain sides of the couch because that's the only way the audience can see you you know you can do point of view changes all that yeah kind of like a glengarry glenn ross sort of situation oh uh, yeah looks good uh, yeah. When, uh, when does this one come out november 1st on netflix November and and uh, it, it looks like they're they're. I, I, I'm going to say dancing around. That's not a great phrase because it <laughs> trivializes the 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 plight. But but it's like this is this is a an interracial family that has a child who is missing. That uh, they're they're working their way through a number of preconceived notions about various racial stereotypes. Yeah, and they're trying to get information out of the police. They know something happened, but they don't know what, and they nobody's talking. So it's, it's shining a spotlight on. Uh, uh, on on various lenses uh, through which you would look that uh, whatever yeah. uh, it, it looks great. I'll looks watch cool. it. Yeah, excellent. I mean, there's also Apple TV Plus coming on November first, so it's got some competition, but it sounds pretty awesome. Doesn't Never heard of it. <laughs> All right, let's move into our primary target. I feel like this is a classic episode of Cord Killers, right? People who've been following it since back before it was called Cord Killers, back in the frame rate days, probably going to look at this and like, ah, yeah. Now this is this is classic Brian and Tom here because our primary target is all about Netflix. Uh, Netflix beat earnings expectations but missed on U.S. subscribers. The company added 517,000 U.S. subscribers and 6.26 million international subscribers. So they're well below analyst expectations of 802,000 U.S. subscribers, uh, but they're you know, beating by a little bit the worldwide number. Uh, analysts had only expected 6.05 million. Netflix blames the price change. That's going to get old after a while. They've done that for a few quarters in a row, but say, well, it's still that price change. That's slowing U.S. growth. Uh, 2.1 million ads in the U.S. so far this year compared to 4.1 million last year, but... Hey, average revenue per user is 16.5%. So that price increase is bringing in more money. Now, starting next quarter, the company says it's going to break out revenue and subscribers regionally. So up, up until now, it's always been U.S. subscribers, international subscribers, meaning non-U.S. Starting next quarter, Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East and Africa, Latin America, U.S. and Canada will all be reported individually. And Netflix projects 7.6 million additional global subs uh, for the next quarter, which is projecting under what they had at that same quarter last year. Last year, they added 8.8 .8 million inter, uh, worldwide subs. CEO Reed Hastings said the raft of new streaming service competitors uh, is definitely something they're thinking about. No surprise there. He says it's going to generate what he called modest headwinds. Uh, he wrote, the upcoming arrival of services like Disney+, Plus, Apple TV+, Plus, HBO Max, and Peacock increased competition but we are small compared to linear TV. 
While the new competitors have some great titles, especially catalog titles, none have the variety, diversity, and quality of new original programming that we are producing around the world. So Hastings thinks they're going to steal market share from traditional TV. All of them. He's like, it's not going to be Disney Plus taken from us. It's going to be all of us taking from cable. He said the likely outcome from the launch of these new services will be to accelerate the shift from linear TV to on-demand consumption of entertainment. Uh, when talking about how much they're spending, he said, we're going to continue to take bold swings, but won't chase every deal on the table. So trying to promote the idea that Netflix is spending their money wisely through a little shade at Disney saying, I think that it's every bit as valuable as drafting off a bunch of different franchises and waiting for them to burn out. In other words, what Netflix is doing is more valuable than what Disney is doing. Uh, then he talked about uh, upcoming content, Stranger Things, Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman, Michael Bay, Noah Baumbach, uh, also adding Seinfeld to the back catalog. Uh, for the second time in 2019, Netflix is raising $2 billion to spend on general corporate purposes. So they're, they're continuing to borrow money against the future. Uh, we've got another little Netflix bit that broke today to get to too, Brian, but let's, let's stop there, uh, with all of that, that sort of earnings reaction and especially Hastings comments about what he thinks of the competition coming up. What do you think? So let, let's start with the mere fact that you're, you're right. And I'm kind of sad that you're right, that it's been a defining characteristic of our program that we, every quarter check in on these quarterly earning, earning reports and so on and say like, uh, okay, how are they doing? Are they doing well? But realize that in the past, every time we've done that, it's been in the spirit of we want Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, all of these over-the-top services to do well. So if any of them do well, that's good news for us because it means more choices as consumers. We're entering a phase where I find these moments increasingly awkward where it's like, I don't want to cheer for the Yankees. I don't want to cheer for Coke. I don't want to cheer for, uh, for, for Dell. You know, it's, I, I, I want to cheer for the underdog. Um, and it makes me wonder if Netflix, let me put it this way. There may be a single moment that a switch could be flipped. And I'd be curious to hear your take on when that switch should be flipped. At what point should Netflix stop touting their growth curve and instead focus on their artistic fulfillment curve? By which I mean, at some point, it will be clear to everyone. Right now, it's only clear to some people that Netflix has won. But once it's clear to everyone, what you wanna do is shift that story and make it about we have the best programming. These are the highest valued user minutes. Everybody who has Netflix should keep Netflix. We're no, we're no longer focused on our growth. We're instead focused on our stewardship. What, when does that moment happen? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. I mean, what we're talking about here is U.S. subscriber growth and, and, and all of that and international subscriber growth because this was their earnings report. They will never not be talking about that to their shareholders. They will never be talking solely about their artistic efforts to their shareholders. As long as Netflix remains a public company, the subscriber growth is always going to be top of mind until the revenue growth, until subscriber growth worldwide maxes out, I suppose. And they're like, well, it's not about growth anymore for Netflix. It's about revenue. And that's that's when those earnings reports of the future become about, well, the merchandising arm is now the growth area. But every earnings report is always going to be about growth in some sense. But I think you're right that there's still a part of the public conversation that isn't focused on an earnings report, the part in the rest of the three months of the quarter, uh, when it's still about, you know, oh, is Netflix growing? Are they raising prices? But it's more and more about what do you watch on Netflix? And and that that ties into what I think Netflix is going to have to really emphasize to people is we have the best shows up until now, they've been able to stay ahead of the trend. Oh, we have a streaming service. Nobody else has a streaming service. We're not just a DVD service anymore. Oh, uh, we're not relying on everybody else's content anymore. We have House of Cards. We have Lilyhammer. Uh, and then they became associated with new content. Then it became, we have international content. Then it became, we have a wide variety of content. Unlike HBO, no matter what you like, we've got something for you. Now they need to define themselves, I think. Maybe not 
define themselves so narrowly as, say, an HBO, but they have got to come out with the must-see television that makes you, or movies, that makes you pick Netflix. Why are you picking Netflix? We know why you do or don't pick HBO. Uh, we probably have a really good idea why you do or don't pick Disney+. Plus. Who knows why you'll pick HBO Max or Peacock? They've got exactly the same problems and they're starting from jump. Netflix is already out there with the perception of this is a place with a lot of stuff. They have Stranger Things. They also have Christmas Prince. They also have that Will Smith movie. Uh, you know, not everything they do works. And they, that's what they need to battle. I think their international growth will keep them healthy until cord cutting really becomes a wave. Right. Cord cutting has become a reality now, but it hasn't become a wave. Once it becomes a wave and everybody starts dumping cable and coming over to this, Netflix needs to stand out to survive. So keep in mind, everything I'm about to say is colored by the fact that I'm currently reading the audiobook by uh, Simon Sinek. The guy who wrote uh, uh, Start With Why has a new book called The Infinite Game. And he talks about games that are finite versus infinite. Finite games, you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. You have a winner and a loser. Whereas infinite games um, uh, uh, keep on going forever. And in fact, it, the players change out, but the game keeps on going. So mm -hmm. the, the example he gives is uh, Microsoft was always playing finite games. They're like, this quarter, we're going to beat Apple. Oh, look at that. Uh, we defined our beginning of the quarter at this mount and then we have more at the end we won they lost hooray for us whereas apple never defined their game as a finite game their game was was to empower individual creators and that's an ongoing process that'll never end likewise an example of a finite game would be you know a football game or a basketball game you got the rules you have a beginning a middle and an end uh, whereas an infinite game would be america we hold these values to be self-evident life liberty mm -hmm. the pursuit of happiness uh a good infinite game never has an ending. And in fact, it it, it, it sets you up as a company to uh, embrace stewardship of getting you ever closer to this perfect ideal, this just goal. Netflix has the opportunity to pivot from a finite game of quarterly reports on whether they're doing better or worse than the previous year, and instead pivot to an infinite game of saying, we are here, to make sure that every person on the planet gets stories, uh, has stories waiting for them that that fill their unique niche, because that is something that Netflix is doing that nobody else could do. You know, we see them investing in all of these very esoteric, tiny shows to fill in all these gaps for people who are like, well, I want a high quality, time twisting, genre bending, horror romance story. Guess what? Ain't going to be NBC that brings that to you. Ain't going to be uh, Hulu that brings it to you. It's going to be Netflix because that's what they're experts in. That is the infinite game that I think they already are playing, but I would love to hear them talking more about it, where it's like, how are we doing in our overarching, uh, our overarching uh, mission to bring all of the stories to all of the people? And I think that they're in such a dominant position now that I would like to hear, and you're, you're right, Tom, earnings reports, they're only gonna, the, the folks wanna hear the numbers and that's that, but you, you know that there's some latitude that Netflix can kind of turn the spotlight to various aspects. And I'd like to see them start to turn the spotlights on how they're continuing that, that message or that, that, that mission that they've been doing. Oh, I, I think if you ask Netflix, they'd say, F you, Brian, that's what we're doing. You're the one looking at the that the quarterly report because Tom made you do it, right? Netflix isn't out there marketing themselves on their quarterly report. We, at Cord Killers, me particularly, go find it and go, well, wait, how are they doing? But but, right? but the only reason that's, that's not, happening is because they are but, failing but no, to give us- That with every company. Every company has that happen every quarter, whether what? they want it to or not. Like what? there's no company that doesn't have a quarterly report with their earnings and their sales units and all of that. I do, I, Apple has exactly the same thing and people try to play the finite game with Apple. Like how many iPhones did they sell? How right. many uh, subscribers did they get for Apple TV Plus? What is that, you know, that's going to continue I don't think that's Netflix's weakness. And I don't think you're, I don't, I disagree that they need to pivot from doing earnings reports into some other message. But I think where I will jump on the bandwagon with you and go, it's not the earnings reports, but they don't have a clear message of what their infinite game is. And I think you're right that, that while they're out there talking about their content and their original content, 
you basically hear them say stranger things, right? Am I right? How great is stranger things? And they need to have more than that. They need to have something where you immediately go, oh, Netflix means this to me. The way HBO, you may have a hard time putting it into words, but it's not television. It's HBO, right? You know that like, oh, this is an HBO kind of show. And new shows often that are pitched at other networks get pitched that way. It's like an HBO show. I don't think you have a clear idea of it's like a Netflix show. And I think your definition of like the mind bending, twisting stuff is a great one for them to embrace. Yes, yes. Uh, I, and and I, I, I think you've exactly honed in on it. What, I, what I'm craving, and, and this is not me telling them what to do. I, I, don't, I don't own Netflix or whatever. But um, what I perceive that I want or for them is, do you remember that fundamental shift when YouTube figured out that views don't matter? that instead viewer minutes was what mattered. Sure. And, and yes, we've run into a number of problems with, you know, like any kind of pendulum shifting moment. Uh, it, it encouraged certain bad actors, you know, to create uh, uh, content that captures people for five hours at a time of low effort value. But it's like that paradigm shift, that quantifiable, hey, are we engaging people with compelling content over, over uh, hours and hours and hours, even though it's only one person, technically one view, that is worth more than just one view. I, I want Netflix to come up with their paradigm shifting uh, new new metric, whatever it is. And I want them to start touting that new metric. But again, that's that's more me as a fan of Netflix and not necessarily thing. I, I, I certainly wouldn't require it as an investor. I certainly wouldn't re require it you know, as somebody who doesn't own anything in Netflix. I think you're onto something for the quarterly report, right? That's a really good, they, good they, example they of the YouTube thing, thing where they're like, they, the minutes viewed is way more valuable to us than just a view, right? And what's interesting is Netflix has guarded their view numbers up till now, and they're just trickling out a few here and there because they feel it's in their interest. But I could totally see, separately from what we're talking about at the conceptual marketing, uh, marketing of Netflix, I could see Netflix start to talk up, even in their quarterly earnings reports, this is how many uh, views we got. And it leads us into the other Netflix story I wanted to mention. They sent a letter to a UK parliamentary committee that's looking into streaming services and its effect on the market saying that Netflix tracks ratings of its own shows as starters, watchers, and completes. And it shares those metrics with directors and producers uh, to help them understand how well their show is doing. This, Th this yeah, is what yeah. I'm getting at. So so imagine, imagine if they, along with their quarterly earnings, along with the dollars or whatever, imagine they announced, hey, as you know, our mission is to bring every story to every person. Let's, uh, whatever, you could do better than that. But, but then they introduce a new metric that is a fusion of the number of times it's watched, the number of people who see it through to completion, and the overall ratings that they give it. What if they called it the qualitative quotient and all of a sudden let, let me yes. share let me share how they how they define these because i think that'll help us uh, uh with the conversation a starter watches two minutes okay uh that's it anything movie or the first episode of a season two minutes that's a starter right so that that's basically a view right it's right. it's more than you just press play you stayed around for two minutes and then maybe you abandon it uh completes watches 90% of a movie, almost all the way to the end, or 90% of a season, so almost all the episodes in a season. Uh, those metrics are reported for both the first seven days and the first 28 days. Watchers complete 70% of a movie or series, so not quite all the way to the end, but they watched enough of it that they count as more than just somebody who tried it. Uh, and Netflix uses that metric when they report those numbers that we've been hearing them say to shareholders or the public. Uh, you know, this this show got 2 million views. Uh, that's the watchers, so like completing 70%. So now that we, that we kind of know where those fall, I absolutely, Brian, I could totally see them say, you know, our, our mind-bending time sci-fi uh, watchers was up 23% last quarter. Yeah. Well, and, and the more I think about this, the more it becomes something that you might be able to quantify. Not, not that like uh, we have provided 20% of the joy that the planet earth has consumed this year, but instead make it the kind of thing, like you could definitely chime in that we have delivered 30% more joy than last year. Like, like, like hit, hit us with that relative jam. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it will make sense for Netflix. I think you can call this a prediction, Brian, uh, it, that that eventually Netflix is slowly easing into being more transparent about how many people watch their stuff. And they're going to want to say that to kind of help bolster the idea with the shareholders and the public that their stuff gets traction, that people like it. Like, even if you didn't like that Will Smith movie, well, guess what? It boosted our sci-fi watcher, you know, number by X percent. Uh, and we can attribute it to that. And they don't have to give away their secret algorithm for how they decide whether to renew a show or not, right? Right. That's that that's a that's an easy way to do that. And it's probably why they were willing to put that in a letter to a UK parliamentary committee that they know would be made public. But what they uh, do need to do is state out loud their mission goal and and make us realize, oh wait, we oh, you are on a mission to uh, blank. What, is, is it be able to provide, you know, all contents to all people at all times uh, to, you know, it, it, we talked about it here on Cord Killers. You know, it's like the show got much better once we clearly define our mission of we're here to bring you the news on how to watch what you want, when you want and whatever damn device you please. Uh, I think I think Netflix is about at that place where they have to do that. Right. Yeah, because I, I think Reed Hastings is absolutely right. It's not about Disney Plus versus Apple Plus versus versus Netflix. It's not. It's it's about who's going to position themselves to gather the windfall when this marketplace finally tips. And I don't think anyone disagreed that it's going to tip. You can disagree about when, you can disagree about how fast, but it's going to tip into these services. Not all of them are going to survive. Uh, and the ones who are best positioned are are the ones who have a proposition when people say, okay, I'm new to this world. What stuff should I get? I hear Netflix is weird. Should I still get them or are they old school? Like, you know, that could work against them. So they need to have that definition because everybody knows what HBO is. Uh, everybody knows what Disney plus is. I'm repeating I mean, myself. HBO. But. It's so hard for me to not snarkily say what well, we used to now HBO max. I mean, I, I, I don't uh, know if you saw yeah, it. I mean that, and that, that may or may not be become an issue. I, it very well might. You're right. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, we saw a little bit of a of, of a. I don't know if you happen to watch last week tonight with uh, John Oliver. Uh, there's this moment every so often they do a a biting the hand that feeds them segment or whatever. In this case, the biting the hand that feeds them bit was where they did a fake ad read for HBO Max. Sure, sure, and sure. Very much just talked about how. Remember how HBO used to have original award winning shows. Yeah, uh, what if HBO was just reruns? HBO Max. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> yeah, I that that one's easy to recover from if if it really starts to become a problem, they can just change the name, right? right. And HBO can can rehabilitate itself as long as they don't go years, too many years. Um but but yeah, that that will be one to watch. Uh what if it be, just becomes Max with HBO? So that's like HBO's its own thing. You can add it on to Max. That's actually Max is not a bad stuff. exit strategy. That's pretty good. Uh, you know what else is a good exit strategy? To the exit of the tyranny of working for other networks and being under the thumb of big corporate America. <laughs> Here's an idea. It's a nutty idea. Stop me if you've heard this story before. Two extremely talented, insightful young individuals, okay, maybe not that young, decide to strike off on their own and make a fully independent, loud, live, and, and nationwide international podcast. I have podcast. heard this before. Oh, you have heard this? Yeah. Wait, well, it's, how does the rest of it go? It's about Hewlett and Packard, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> Could be. Yes, or is it about us? No, it's effing about us. And you made it happen if you're supporting us at patreon.com slash cord killers. Yeah, man. Look, just a dollar an episode. You'll never, ever notice it. It'll it'll be two, uh, uh, two vending machine Diet Cokes per month. You'll never feel that 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 flux in your wallet, but it will Not mean the two anymore. a vast difference to uh, Tom Merritt and me. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it makes it so that when... Brian and I, who would probably like just do this anyway, uh, do it. We can say, <laughs> oh, dude, you're, you're going to screw it up. They're, they're going to know on, that we're frauds. We can say to everyone else, no, this is our job so that we have to do it. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why you're here. You're our guarantor. You're standing behind this. So if anybody's like, Hey Tom, can you take out the trash? I can be like, nope, man, look, 
I've got these thousand patrons plus standing behind me. Sorry, can't take out the trash right now. Got to do cord killers. Not going to lie. Derive a lot of pleasure from saying like, oof, rough day. Got to watch two episodes of Mr. Robot. Got to get all caught up so I can have hot takes for everybody. I actually pulled this last night with my family visiting. Like, I'm sorry, y'all. I have to watch Mr. Robot. It's my job. (laughs) Look, if you guys derive pleasure from our hot takes, then we would love to continue to bring them to you. Head on over to Cord Killer. Sorry, patreon.com slash cord killers. Just a buck an episode, man. You're never going to notice it. Yeah, please do. And we'll tell you how to watch in return. The weirdest thing that happened to me this week, uh, probably, or last week, was uh, Roku announcing that Apple's launching an Apple TV app and has now launched it uh, for most Roku's. The app lets you access your purchased or rented TV shows and movies, like all the stuff that you would, if you if you buy it through Apple, uh, you can now watch it on a Roku. Uh, it also allows you to access your Apple TV channels. So if you, if you subscribe to HBO or CBS All Access or Stars through the Apple TV app, not separately, even if it's on iOS, it has to be through the Apple TV app, you could then watch your HBO, CBS, All Access, and Stars on the Apple TV app for Roku. And of course, when Apple TV Plus launches on November 1st, all of those shows will show up on the Roku Apple TV app. Uh, that's $4.99 a month or free if you have an iOS device. So let's say you buy a new iPhone, you get the free Apple TV Plus, but you have a Roku, now you have an Apple TV app. That has been a big part of my my things that I'm watching to see what Apple will do as far as their strategy of becoming a service oriented revenue company is you're going to have to put this out for other people who don't have Apple devices to watch. And here they have done that. So you can launch Apple TV and it looks just like the Apple TV app on the Apple TV device on your Roku. Is that a implicit acknowledgement that the hardware doesn't matter? We're now at a place where all the hardware is ubiquitous and affordable. So it's like, I uh, think it's almost an explicit announcement of that, right? I mean, Apple, Apple has been saying we are transitioning from a devices company to a services company. Now, granted, if you ask Apple, they're going to tell you the Apple TV is a much superior piece of hardware than any other out there, but they know they need to get subscribers from people who haven't spent money on a piece of Apple hardware. And this is the first step towards that. I got to tell you, Tom, this, 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 causes all my Peter tingles right now. Um, because if they're, if, if Apple is no longer a hardware company and they're no longer the exclusive way to get their service. And also they maybe don't have that much juice in terms of the service side, uh, as far as what talent they're able to attract is all of this sounds desperately close to the mushy middle. I'm, I'm really worried. Like, I, 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 I'm not going to say that it's not going to be anything less than great. We all know that it's going to be great when it, when it actually arrives here. But if I was to write a recipe for something arriving not great, it would involve no clear specific benefits, kind of like this. Well, and what do you mean no clear? Because to me, this is the, oh, you have to do this. If you're going to make a good Apple TV Plus, you can't say, oh, and you have to buy my hardware to use it, Uh, right? This is same as Amazon Prime Video, same as Hulu, same as Netflix. uh, And this is the first step towards them doing it. Sorry, uh, to to restate, uh, uh, yes, uh, if you're playing just purely on the brilliance of your content, then that is exactly what you would do. Right now, Apple has no proven credibility. In, as, I mean, they've, they've, they've listed a bunch of blue chip names. Uh, uh, we suspect yeah, but this is, there'll okay, be some here's, good stuff here's, in there. Yeah, I know. You're, you're thinking of Apple TV+, Plus, but remember, this isn't just Apple TV+. Plus. This is Apple saying, you know who has the best interface for managing your content? Us. And maybe you already have a Roku. Well, we won't deprive you of that amazing interface. Oh, you know what? You can get, so, so th- this you is can a blind rent spot. Your movies and TV shows from us. You can get your HBO and CBS all access from us. We will be the place that you just go to to watch on your Roku. Oh, and by the way, we also have these like stellar original content offerings that you can choose to get as well. That that is a legit counter argument because I definitely have a blind spot uh, because I, as we've talked about on the show before, I tend to gravitate toward the Amazon ecosystem. I really haven't 
dived into the Apple TV ecosystem. Well, and a lot a of people minute. haven't because they're like, ah, I, you know what? I've got devices that aren't Apple. I don't want to buy a movie for Apple and then not be able to watch it on my Android phone or my Roku. Well, still can't watch it on your Android phone yet, but they definitely can watch it on your Roku. Yeah. No, uh, fair enough. Also, starting December 1st, Netflix will no longer support its Roku app for the Roku HD, HDXR, SD, XD, and XDS, as well as the Netgear-branded versions of the XD and XDS. Uh, these are players made in May 2011, so they're about eight years old. Uh, they're no longer updated by Roku anyway. Uh, so it's bad news if you need a composite or component output because the more recent Rokus don't have that. Um, but... Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not the best to ever say like, we're not supporting a piece of hardware that people are still using, but with technology like this and with the replacement cost at like 30 bucks, uh, I don't think this is the most egregious thing. And there's probably things in those older pieces of hardware that Netflix just can't support anymore. And it also man matters that Netflix is in a dominant market position right now. It's like, those are the people, uh, it's sort of like, um, uh, you expect, uh, uh, politically speaking, you expect uh, progressives to be more tolerant. But what matters is when the lagging indicators, like the conservative party, starts to support gay marriage or whatever, then 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 that's the more significant, like locking everything in moment. So yeah, uh, I, I mean, we haven't talked about the hundreds to probably thousands of apps that no longer work on these versions of the Roku because they aren't as popular as the Netflix app, right? Right. So right. yeah. All right, let's talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. Not like you, it's all about location, location, location. Under Surveillance. HBO Max, or maybe I'll start calling it Max with HBO, <laughs> has struck the first deal for streaming rights to content from Studio Ghibli. 21 movies will appear on HBO Max, including Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, and more. This begin. Uh, this continues to bolster what we were talking about in previous weeks with uh, more of that children's programming. Uh, HBO Max does have an opportunity to really strike at that uh, that that curated, family friendly, trustable uh, uh, playground that you can let your you know uh, eight year old unsupervised dance around. Yeah, I mean, it, it, name aside, right? Uh, if you want to have a compelling service, you're going to have to have stellar top content like this. Uh, and I assume this will cause a few people who weren't at all interested in HBO Max to now go, oh, really? I can get a bunch of the, mm, yeah, you know what, Princess Mononoke, that's nice. A lot of those people already own it probably. But, you know, we we have seen that Crunchyroll and uh, services from, say, Warner, which owns HBO Max, that went away, uh, caused, a, caused a lot of concern and interest uh, because anime is a hugely popular situation in the United States as well as other places in the world. And this is a big deal because those movies you cannot buy digitally. You have to buy physical, you've had to buy discs in the past. They've never been on streaming services. Right, right. Uh, you can get yeah. buy digital copies of them, but you can't stream them, right? I, I don't even know that they've, maybe in some places they've been on, on VOD purchase or rent, but I, mm -hmm. I don't think it's very widespread. I certainly not in America. I don't, I don't believe that's the case. Gotcha. <laughs> Regardless, I do think it's a savvy move because these, of course, have a cultural cachet, a respectability uh, with all the awards that they've won, uh, and yet also fit into the category of kids stuff, uh, even though they're, of course, themes that are smarter than you would expect for most kids fair. It almost feels like a title thing. I've known people who only subscribe to title just because they had Beyonce for a short amount of time. I could uh -huh. see people subscribing to HBO Max just so they can watch these Ghibli films. Apple has ordered a nine-episode follow-up to HBO's Band of Brothers called Masters of the Air. Uh, you have Tom Hanks, Gary Getzman, and Steven Spielberg executive producing. Uh, they executive produced the other two Band of Brothers series. The show will be the first of Apple TV shows to be produced in-house by Apple TV's own studio. So all the other originals we talk about coming to Apple TV+, Plus, Apple contracted a production house outside of Apple uh, to produce. Here, I know it gets weird. You're like, but I thought you just said Hanks and Spielberg. Yeah, but Apple has a studio that then contracts these guys to come in. It's, it's complex Hollywood world. But this is Apple saying, we're going to make this, and therefore we will own all the rights to it always. Whereas like House of Cards, for instance, uh, Netflix didn't own all the rights to it always. Uh, so Blu-rays and stuff didn't, didn't send any revenue to Netflix. So, uh, other Apple TV plus shows are not 
produced by external companies. And Apple's worldwide video head Zach Van Emberg and Jamie Ehrlicht will be overseeing this new in-house Apple studio. Hollywood Reporter says HBO turned down the series because it was too expensive, $250 million price tag. And they made their money off of Band of Brothers and the Pacific off the DVD market. And they are like, there's really not much of a DVD market anymore. So that does, that's not going to make up the difference. We'll let Apple put the bill for this one. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised how reading this same kind of nugget will land with me and make me more optimistic for Apple TV. Whereas if you had just copy-pasted Quibi instead of Apple, I would be rolling <laughs> my eyes all right out of my head. You know, if, Because they're, they're making the same play. They're saying, hey, these are established blue chip uh, talents that we're bringing in. Yeah, uh, it's just that uh, the uh, Masters of the Air uh, will be 30 to 60 minutes long, not 10 minutes long, and available uh, on a television, not just on your phone. <laughs> Seems to make all the difference to me. Television. But who knows? Tell me more <laughs> of this. Uh, in just more than a week, Apple TV Plus will launch, and Apple has confirmed that the morning show will get a second season. So they're already renewing. Those shows, Brian, that's how successful this unlaunched service okay, is. Okay, 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 okay. Up until this moment, I always took it as a statement of our in, independent metrics indicate that this is going to do very, very well. We're highly confident. We're just going to keep on moving forward. This is the first situation that I'm like, hmm, seems like if you had an unproven thing that was being teased for 10 years, maybe <laughs> you would act like you're super confident in how great everything's going to be, even if maybe it won't be that great. Well, Apple confirmed the morning show, but deadline reporting that for all mankind, Dickinson, see little America and also home before dark, all will get second seasons or are in the process of being renewed for a second season. Uh, and in an interview with wired Apple TV plus exec, Zach Van Amberg says Ron Moore had mapped out all seven seasons for, for all mankind before he pitched it to Apple. So it's actually not unusual anymore for streaming services to renew series before they've launched the first season uh, or even before they've finished the first season if they're rolling them out week by week. I, I, I agree. And, they, and they're, to, they're, 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 they're like the quality of it, I guess. To be clear, um, uh, let me divorce uh, my experience as a fan and an interested viewer uh, from my cynical take as as an industry analyst uh watching everything happen uh the cynical side of me says uh in general we've seen these moves associated with things that clearly had real momentum and real pop and were destined for massive success and and it was sort of they they appeared to be decisions that were made in the moment because it would save them money to start immediately to work on a second season because this thing was so obviously going to be a hit yeah. given how troubled the Apple uh, lineup rollout has been. This is one of the first moments that I'm finding myself saying, well, if I wanted to, you know, kind of manufacture a ground. I mean, when swell, you say troubled, what do you mean? I, Cause I do not perceive it as troubled. I perceive a lot of headlines trying to make it sound troubled because it's Apple. Yes. Uh, also, and, and I'm certainly guilty of this. Uh, it's just taken a long time, Tom. Have you not noticed yeah, yeah. how long it's taken? I mean, it's become like we've all gotten bored of the joke. It's going to be great because <laughs> it's been a decade. It's, it's been, been a decade, been Tom. For that long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like at this well, point, a lot, I'm of just, is not, a lot of it's not Apple's fault because people were rumor, having rumors about Apple stuff that Apple wasn't doing. People were having rumors about Apple stuff that is entirely different from what Apple is now doing. And people over-report Apple, everything they do. So, I mean, that that's a recipe for overexposure, if I ever heard one. Now, having said all of that, fan Brian, already super stoked that uh, For All Mankind has a second season. Ronald D. Moore deserves as loud a megaphone as we can give him. I cannot be more excited for all of this. Uh, Variety reports Apple has ordered a comedy series called Ted Lasso based on the character played by Jason Sudeikis in NBC Sports promos. Uh, in the promos, Sudeikis plays an American football coach called Ted Lasso who knows nothing about soccer but is forced to become the coach of an English soccer team. And uh, Sudeikis co-wrote the pilot episode. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, and finally, HBO released a trailer for Silicon Valley season six. This final season will have seven episodes. Uh, usually they had more than that. The trailer shows Richard Hendricks, CEO of Pied Piper, testifying to Congress. So definitely playing off the whole Zuckerberg testifying to Congress thing. Uh, Silicon Valley coming back to HBO on October 27th. Dude, I'm so happy for all of that 
cast and crew. Uh, also, I should watch more than the two episodes that I've seen. All right, let's get through some notes about what to watch. A new trailer for Netflix is The Crown is out with Olivia Colman, of course, taking over the role of Queen Elizabeth. Uh, it's going to last from 1964 into the 70s. Crown coming to Netflix November 17th. Netflix unveiled a list of holiday specials, including the third Christmas Prince movie, Christmas Prince, the Royal Baby, coming December 5th. There's also Holiday in the Wild with Kristen Davis coming November 1st. Let It Snow, based on the book of the same name, November 15th. An animated movie called Klaus with an all-star voice cast coming November 15th. Vanessa Hudgens in the Knigget Before Christmas. It's a medieval show, so night before Christmas. Uh, November 21st uh, is when that one comes. And uh, Romany Malko in Holiday Rush coming November 28th. And also not Christmassy, but launching on December 24th is season two of Lost in Space. Apple TV Plus may have some holiday magic in the works, too. Hollywood Reporter says it's acquiring a musical version of A Christmas Carol starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. That won't be ready till next year, though. Netflix has acquired the rights to turn the Jeff Smith comic book character Bone into an animated kid series. Variety says Apple has signed Alfonso Cuaron, who did Roma last year for Netflix, to a multi-year television development deal. And HBO Max issued a series order for Grease, Rydell High, a reimagining of the original Grease characters and stories set in the 1950s. And they describe it as high school musical for the 1950s. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm going to skip that last one. I'm going to go back to Lost in Space. You, uh, you watched all of the first season of that, right? Oh, yeah. And I liked yeah. it a lot. I, 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 I ended up two or three episodes shy of the full season uh, it, because uh, there was that negotiation with the rest of my family. Hey, we're all going to do this at the same time. Oh, you already did the thing. You haven't done the thing. You don't like it as uh -huh. much as I do. And so uh, I am very, very happy to have an excuse to dive by, back in and get caught up on that. Yeah, and you know, holiday break, right? So it's a good time to catch people, I think. Uh, what have you had your eyes on lately that you want to talk about? Uh, man, I, weirdly, I rewatched Inception. Spoiler alert, it's great. Inception's great. Uh, I, I, I can understand anyone who has a beef with Inception, but uh, uh, meanwhile... <laughs> Man, oh man, I can't think of of, 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 of a cream dream fantasy that would be more exciting to Hollywood than a story structure that allows you to jump from set piece to set piece. And then the only justification is because dreams, also a heist movie, also the heist only works if there's an emotional transformation. Also, there's males, females, uh, old people, young people. It's, it's great, it's great. Uh, in, Inception, better than you remember. That's awesome. I, I forget how much I enjoyed that movie. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that back up. I went to the theater to watch a movie that my, my wife got to see in preview without me and said, you have to see this. I'm not going to tell you any more than it's in the trailer. Uh, there was a little bit more on our side because we watch a lot of Korean television of you'll get more of the jokes because you watch Korean television, but it's not something you have to know anything about Korean television to enjoy. And I can swear now that that is correct. Parasite. Parasite, you can watch the trailer, that's fine. You're going to watch the trailer and think like, okay, I know what this movie's about. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And I even hesitate to say it will surprise you at every turn because then you'll be looking to be surprised. The, the, uh, this is from the same director that did uh, Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer and, and uh, uh, what, was the, what was the giant? Uh, Train to Busan. No, the, the giant dog hippo. Clifford. Oh, right, oh. Okja. Okja, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, same guy. Uh, this is a Korean film set in Seoul, Korea in Korean with subtitles. So I know for some of you, that's a non-starter. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, if you can get over the reading of subtitles to do this, uh, it is, it is absolutely worth it. Yeah. I, I was disappointed that, uh, you, you sent me that text, like go in unseen and those are my favorite movies to experience, but it's not showing anywhere in Austin yet. I, I, I guess there's a special showing on Thursday. Yeah, it's got a weird rollout. It's not even just limited release. It's like scattered. Uh, I was going to see it the week before in L.A. because it was out, but it wasn't playing on Friday that day in the theater that I go to regularly. So it is a little weird to find out. And there was someone on Twitter who's like, I can't wait to see this movie, but it's sold out at all the theaters I go to. Uh, so it may be a little harder to get in the theater to see, to be honest, because of that that weird scheduling. But if you can, uh, but absolutely, it, it, it does sound. It. If I'm reading your 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 waves correctly, like if you can, like avoid 
avoid knowing anything. Just get in there. Go. Yeah. Don't try not to read anything about it or anybody's impressions of it other than, you know, liked or whatever, disliked, et cetera. Uh, cause I didn't know anything other than what you get from the trailer, which is a story about a rich family and a poor family. Great. And that's, that, you know, that's evident very quickly in the movie. And I will say nothing more about it. Bryce, what would you be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a quick pick from Drew. Drew wrote, uh, you should be watching Raising Dion. It debuted on Netflix a few days ago. I like it, and I think that it is in line with a lot of things you guys seem to watch. Thanks, Drew. I actually caught the first two episodes of this. Uh, it follows Nicole, who is a widower mother, and she's raising her son Dion and figuring out her sort of work-life situation. And... Uh, Dion suddenly develops superpowers, <laughs> and, and he's <laughs> there's definitely I, I, audio listeners might have heard me gasp out of nowhere because there is definitely a scene in the preview that you're showing on screen where a car runs into a kid and the kid like erupts into bats or something, <laughs> and, and meanwhile I'm thinking like, like ah, oh that kid yeah, <laughs> and so his, and the son is only like six or seven or eight years old and so he doesn't have a lot of control over the powers and so he's uh, it, it becomes, uh, it, it's interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of superheroes go through a lot of, of work to like hide their identity and not be captured, uh, or, or be seen where in the first few episodes, it seems like maybe it's kind of hard for them to keep, keep it under wraps. Uh, this was, well, we actually covered this very briefly, I think, because it's based off of a 2015 comic mm -hmm. book and a short film, uh, from Dennis Liu, uh, I believe there are eight episodes of Raising Dion streaming now exclusively on Netflix. Well, folks, if you got something we should be on the lookout for, be like Drew. Email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Yeah, but meanwhile, I hear so many of those listeners right now, Tom. They're all saying like, man, I love Tom. I love Brian. Maybe I love Tom a little bit more than Brian. Specifically, I would love to know what projects does Tom have going on that I could contribute financially to? Listen, the best way to find that out is to subscribe to the Free Tom newsletter at freetomnewsletter.com. I'm having so much fun. We talked about this two weeks ago at Court Killers, and Brian made a great pitch for people to be like, hey, man, just sign up. You can have a talk with Tom. And people are doing that. And it's so great. Like, I will schedule it to go out. I usually write it up on uh, Friday morning, and it's become just like a letter from me. This this last one was like, here's what I thought about the Google announcements this week. Do, 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 do. Also, here's links to everything I did this week. Also, here's what I've been writing and what I'm interested in. Here you go. I schedule it to go after DTNS on Fridays, and so there's this little like packet of gifts in my inbox after I'm done with DTNS of people who got the newsletter and replied to it. And are like, Hey, that that's really cool. I, I had an idea. Here's, here's the thing that I used to do or, Oh, here's what I thought about the Google announcement. And, uh, it's just fantastic. So, uh, if you want to take part in that, um, it's easy, it's free, freetomnewsletter.com. Do, do you do the same thing that I do where it's like, there are times that I write and I have to, it's difficult to write and think of yourself on a stage writing a letter. So instead I think of a single person and oftentimes it's uh it's, it's a mentor, yeah, yeah. like, like teller from Penn and teller. Like I'm just writing to tell her, here's what I'm up to. Here's what's what's happening or whatever. And then it just goes out to everyone. And then I, I don't know. I, I, I love it. Everybody should sign up for more email lists than they are right now. Yeah. Because it's just the two of us at least as far right? as we know. In that right? moment, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, folks, let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Disney Plus tweeted basically all, they said, of the TV shows and movies it will have at launch November 12th, one at a time. The thread was more than 600 posts long. And then Disney followed up by posting a video with about 15 second clips of all the movies that will be on the service. That video is three hours and 28 minutes long. And let me tell you, a good half hour of it kept my three-year-old niece entertained uh, over the weekend when I slipped it in in the middle of DJing a bunch of YouTube Disney clips for her. Uh, okay, look, uh, I'm not going to comment on whether or not I was upset about the fact that I did not see National Geographic's hacking the system on that list. However, it's not all the TV shows. Just I, to okay, be fair. Correct. Okay. Correct. But now I also can't comment on whether or not I'm more offended if I didn't make the list of basically all of <laughs> like <laughs> either way, either way. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We might still be uh, Disney princesses. 
my niece did pause at one point and say, where's hacking the system? And I, I said, well, it's not all the TV shows. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. AMC theaters launched an on-demand video store in the United States. AMC theaters on demand will take 2000 films from major studios available for purchase or rental. AMC uh, Stubbs members who use their first transaction to buy or rent a movie distributed by Lionsgate or Paramount pictures can use an additional three movie or can choose an additional three movies from a selection of that studio's films. You can use AMC, theaters on demand at amctheaters.com the amc theaters mobile app roku and some smart tvs with more services and devices to be added later in the future the new york times says amc plans to offer loyalty program members occasional free versions of movies that they see in theaters with the lion king becoming the first uh canada's cineplex uh, has offered a similar program for years yeah when they launched it when they made the official announcement they didn't say anything about the lion king thing so i'm not sure if the new york times got that right or if they just haven't rolled that out yet but uh but very interesting don't you think to see one of the largest theater chains going you know what we need a way for people to purchase movies and watch them at home yeah you know we we've talked about this a few years ago we were talking about how many of the over-the-top networks or, or the cable traditional cable networks they're saying and doing certain things in public, but really it just felt like they were running out the clock. They knew that change yeah. was coming, but they knew that there are certain things that they must not say in public. It feels kind of like the same thing happening right now with movie theaters, right? I mean, I'll be honest. If AMC theaters uh, got became a part of movies anywhere, Right. So if I bought one, if I bought a movie with, from AMC theaters on demand, I will be able to access it in all my devices and in all my apps. And I was going to AMC theaters regularly, which I don't do as much as I used to, but I still do. I would absolutely take advantage of this. Let's say I buy my ticket to a movie and AMC theaters says, Hey, by the way, you're a Stubbs member. Do you want to get the movie you're about to see when it comes out on digital for half price? I might be like, yes, indeed I do because now it will show up on movies anywhere. So they've got a couple more steps to get me on board, but I think this could be super smart for them. Hold on. Now you got my mind churning. And okay. If you ask me before I see a movie, Hey, for $5 more, would you like to own a digital copy? That's a slam dunk. The answer is right? always yes. If you ask me after I've seen the movie, then I have to think about whether or not I liked that movie and whether or not it merited joining my library or whatever. This might be the biggest revenue boost. Uh, that this could be huge, Tom, because, because well, I will like, I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy it in advance, like going into Joker, not knowing whether or not Joker was good. If you said $5, yes, no, you can own a copy of this movie. However you feel about it ever. You can either go back and point out the parts that you hated or, or look at the parts that you loved. Uh, yeah. Have my $5. Listen, if, if your theater ticket is less than $15, you can almost guarantee that buying it for $5 with your theater ticket would total be cheaper than buying it on day one digital because they're usually around 20 bucks then you get the theater experience too think about this what if you went a step farther where it's like okay matinee 12 bucks go watch mm -hmm. a movie get out 25 bucks you get to own the movie you get one free soft drink you get free popcorn you get free early access to the room you 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 get whatever i mean it's like i would uh, that would be a no brainer, right? I don't know if they'll do this right, but if they do it right, and I'm not saying my way is the only way to do it right, but if they do this right and they get it to be successful, this could be the thing that AMC decides to reduce the 90 day window for. I'm, because I'm, I'm suddenly you. they make more money <laughs> uh, off of digital sales because they're selling them. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that I'm terribly price sensitive about the evening out. And if you, if there's just one obviously best, give me everything, tie in my Amazon account, tie in my iTunes account, tie in my whatever account. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, like, like just, and in fact, at that point now, uh, I know Bryce, you, you already have been a fan of, of doing the monthly subscription thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but now at the high end, if, if I don't have to worry about it down the road, uh, and, and like, just just as insurance for the idea that six months from now, I'm going to want to show my kid one five-minute chunk of a movie I saw six months ago, uh, sign me up. 
And you know, the, yeah. the, the movie studios do those digital promotions all the time. Watch three movies, you'll get those right. three movies digital. If you can cut out the middleman and say, oh, now you get it on the AMC app. That would be huge. That, that would be a big, a big draw for them. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Uh, and it looks like Paramount and Lionsgate are on board to do that sort of thing as part of this early promotion. Yeah. Uh, AT&T TV Now, that's what used to be DirecTV Now, uh, will increase prices starting next month. The basic plus package now goes from 50 to $65. People grandfathered into older plans are told their prices will rise as well. DirecTV Now launched in 2016 with that $35 price. Remember, uh, AT&T raised the price of the service $10 in March. Uh, and uh, now it's doing it again. So uh, definitely AT&T TV now, not the bargain it once was. Yeah, uh, still still a bargain though, question mark? No, just average now. It's, it's not it's feeling a- like it, does it, right? Like, no. like at this point... They're they're chasing the the high end of the over the top market, and and it's only because they have competitors. Like if this was in a pre, if they were the only option for over the top besides cable, then sure. But they're not, so no. Yeah. They're still cheaper than cable, uh, as we have talked about on previous episodes. But they're not the cheapest anymore. It's it's kind of it's it's hard to compare it to because it depends on what channels you want, and they all have different channels go to suppose.tv if you want to actually compare uh but yeah they used to be consistently if they had the channels you want probably the cheapest and i don't think they are anymore the u.s national association of theater owners reported on thursday that ticket prices for q3 uh, 2019 fell from nine dollars 26 to the uh, the quarter before to eight dollars 93 cents still above last year's eight dollars 83 cents comscore says 52 percent of all people who went to the movies in q3 were between 18 and 34 years old total summer box office was 4.8 billion up from one percent up one percent from last year meanwhile a uk event cinema company called secret cinema saw record box office in attendance for uh, casino royale that production took place in a 70,000 square foot warehouse that uh, went through a pre-show pieces involving stunts music post poker and bars finishing with the screening of the movie casino royale uh tickets cost between uh, what 50 pounds and 175 pounds and attracted 120,000 customers is this is is this the future is this how movies save themselves i i i used to think this would be i used to look at a story like this and go this is what they have to do whether it's this or something else now looking at amc going like man that's probably a better bet right just start making money off the thing that people want to buy instead of you. Uh, not that this isn't a bad thing. And I think we'll see more of this kind of stuff. 120,000 customers though. Not sure if that's enough to save a theater or just start a new kind of business. You know what I mean? I mean, I, and I assume that was what over like a month or two months or how long? Yeah. I think it was over a month, over, yeah. a, over a full month. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, movies got cheaper in case anybody's out there, you know, complaining about how movies just keep getting more and more expensive. You can throw this in their face and be like, no, they're not. Not anymore. Uh, finally, Tencent Video will start adding product placement and in-context ads to videos after they have already been published as part of a partnership with a company called Myriad that uses computer vision to insert the images seamlessly into existing videos. So the idea is Tencent has a movie. Uh, Tencent uh, operates a very popular digital streaming platform in China. They make a lot of TV shows uh, that that play directly. They're they're an over the top service, uh, but they also make uh, movies and TV shows that play on broadcast as well. But for their over the top services, they'll be able to say put coffee cups from a popular coffee coffee chain on the table in front of characters who are sitting in a cafe talking. Uh, they they could put billboards on the side of a bus that didn't have a billboard on it. Stuff like that. Yeah. Doesn't Tencent own like 5% of Blizzard? Oh, Tencent is no different than any other company in the world. And it owns lots of pieces of lots of things. It's yeah. a, it's a huge company. Yeah. But like if somebody irrationally wanted to just hear something and get upset because they already have like a pre-mapped sense of identity based on another story on related uh, to this Really? One. That's where you want to go with this? I'm <laughs> no. way more interested in talking about the technology and no, the implications I, I, of some other studio were also to do this. To to be honest, uh, like, like I remember, I think we talked about this before, like uh, way back with Friends, they were going back and remapping Cokes into Pepsis, Pepsis into Cokes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, this is a, a piece of technology that makes that really easy to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel. I'm more excited about the Myriad company part of this, 
which is like, okay, this is interesting. And if you look at the video, I was expecting to be to, to shudder and I'm like, huh, that doesn't look so bad. Right. But of course it's a demonstration video. They're going to make it look as good as possible for the demo. Yeah. But, 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 okay. So here's the part that, um, here's the part I question, and this is the entrepreneur in me kicking in. Yep. If, if, if I have a small coffee shop and I am sold this idea, then I'm going to ask myself, um, okay, so I, I, I'm going to ask myself the only times that people are going to notice the ads are if the story isn't very good. If the story's super good, they're never going to notice my ads because they're not integrated into the story that's being told. So I don't know if that's true though. I mean, cause if you, cause you're right, if that's true, then no one should ever spend any money on these things. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like nobody should spend money on any of these things. Yeah. I, I definitely notice brands in the background of stories I'm interested in, but, but, but maybe in, I'm unusual. In, in, in a positive way? Like, like, do you yeah. ever, do you ever, are you ever on the fence about a home mortgage and then you see a romantic comedy in the background, there's a billboard no. that, that no, mentions Geico a, a and then you think, specific, well, maybe I will use uh, Geico. Scenario. But I've, I've definitely, I've definitely looked at stuff and been like, oh man, yeah, I forget about KFC or, you know, or whatever. And, and, and start thinking about it. If it's overdone, if they're like, hey, let's go into the subway and get a $5 foot long, then it turns me off, right? But if it's not in my face, it it definitely will sink in. I mean, and all good advertising is in the background, right? Because if it's too in your face, then you resist it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it, it, let me put it this way. If I knew the answer to whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, uh, probably would not have time to do cord killers. So you're welcome. I don't have an answer for this. <laughs> cord killers not sponsored by mortgage companies, KFC or Subway. Let's get to the dispatches from the front. Kyle from Tampa says, in listening to your latest episode, I enjoyed the conversation about cable companies and fees. As I am sure for most people, fees have often been a great area of frustration, not only with cable companies, but for a variety of companies, including ticketing, hotel, airlines, etc. I personally believe, says Kyle, that states should pass laws requiring that advertised prices must be within a certain percentage of the actual out-of-the-door price. Let's say 10%, including any tax. It is absurd that my local movie chain, as much as I like them, charges me a fee to buy a ticket online that is 25% of the total cost of the ticket that is being bought directly from them. It's not like Target charges you a fee to order online. Same for hotels, where your $99 hotel room is $130 after a resort fee. All these are outlandish and should all be tackled in one large swoop. Just hope the Ticketmaster lobby doesn't buy off your local politicians. Counter argument to this. Uh, I think it's messed up that it's against the law for anybody to advertise at a gas station, I think I used gas stations last time as well, uh, to advertise like, we only make 69 cents a gallon, everything else is taxes. Like it, it seems like you should have the freedom to say, yeah, yeah, 69 cents a gallon, also $2 of government taxes on top of that. Like, uh, hmm. I mean, let's, let's forget for a moment whether it's a good idea to put the government in charge of this or not, right? Because you're, you're going to have people on all sides of that, that part of this. Right. I think I would like as a consumer to more clearly know what the total cost is going to be. That includes sales tax, gas tax, et cetera, right? Like I want to know, first of all, how much is this going to cost? That $99 hotel room should be a $130 hotel room. And then they can say, oh, but part of that is the room tax that the, that the county makes us charge, right? This would otherwise be a $110 room. And then there's our $20 resort fee. But I'm, I'm definitely with Kyle that I don't like it when any company hides the fee and surprises me later with it. That that needs to be clear, however yeah, we manage that. I, I think I'm with you on that. It would be great if a new cultural norm was mm. in all advertising, let's say there was a peculiar use of the word about. Uh, it costs about $100, and then about was essentially code for uh, eh, with taxes up, down, give or take, within 10%. You know, cable is about $200 a month. Uh, Sling TV is about $80 a month. What do you think? That'd be fun. Yeah, totally. 
Agreed. Donovan writes in saying, hey, guys, I am so appreciative of what you guys do every week for us. I wanted to address the movie Joker in particular. The discussion you had on Cord Killers about the film confirmed what I thought trailers and the media conveyed about it. Good art that would be difficult to enjoy. I knew would not, I knew I would not go to theaters to watch it and honestly don't think it's really the type of the film that uh, uh, I would want to see. That's why I'm thankful for you guys. Spoiler in time will allow me to get the real skinny on it from people I trust. Thanks for not spoiling us on Cord Killers and spoiling us on Spoiler in Time. Just want to let you know that I appreciate the options you give us with the show. Well, thank you so much, Donovan. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I, I I think that's exactly the kind of re reaction I would like more people to have, which is, oh, that sounds like something I would enjoy or, oh, that does not sound like something I would enjoy rather than getting in a fight about whether the other person should enjoy it or not enjoy it. Uh, we also had Andy writing in, I don't mind the idea of interactive ads on Roku TVs that you guys were talking about on episode 286 since they're not adding additional ads, just augmenting the current ones. I don't think it'd bother me. This is something close to what I've always wanted. There are ads that I would like to be reminded about or a note taken of, but I don't want more info right now. For example, I'm watching a show on Hulu and a movie trailer comes on. I'd like to be able to hit the OK button on my remote or something similar and add an event on my calendar for the release date. Maybe if it's a product that I'd like more info on, I could hit OK and it would send me an email with more info or add an entry to my OneNote or some other similar app. I don't know how many times I saw an ad for something that I wanted to look up later and completely forgot when I had some time to do it. Just a thought. Keep up the good work, guys. Your boss, Andy. Yeah, I thought that was a good example of like, man, not my jam, but uh, but but I'm glad to know that it's at least somebody's jam. Yeah, and, and interesting ways to be like, oh, okay, I guess I could see where that might be useful, like adding to calendar, stuff like that. So yeah, cool. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next time. Hey, guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, I've got a name. Because you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's some classic names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode and be one of these amazing people, like this be one. Amazing. Oh, look at, look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>